1: hey you it's kevin pollack your host welcome back to my mrs Mazel pod how have you been what have you been up to are you enjoying this particular day and or night uh, what do you do while you listen to this pod write me my mrs Mazelpod at gmail.com please or uh record an audio or video and, and email it to my mrs mazelpod at gmail.com either way thank you for listening and being involved and telling everyone you've ever met, you've done that, of course. My guest today, Madeline Martin, wonderful actress. Uh, in season three, episode four, uh, which we'll discuss, um, you know, she uh, she plays part of the young subversives who, along with Abe Weissman, uh, talk about starting a, a subversive newspaper. And she's part of the, the, the trio of uh, sort of beatnik characters uh, Madeline Martin And she's just wonderful And I love talking to her about this episode And I'm going to read, uh, you know, one of your emails towards the end So make sure you catch that um, Yeah, here we go Let's jump in, shall we? My conversation about Season 3, Episode 4 With Madeline Martin And now, ladies and Jews, please welcome Madeline Martin. Madeline, how are you today?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Very good. Thank you for joining us from the library. Uh, <laughs> this is an audio podcast. Good, hey, folks. She's got a very impressive array of books behind her, let me tell you. Um, yeah, you're at home in uh, where?
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm in Queens, not too far from the Maisel homestead.
1: Uh, yes, the fictitious fictitious Maisel home in um in Forest Hills, Forest Hills where we shot practically, as in the real place, uh, season two, I want to say. Yeah. And that in this episode, of course, where they're forced to join us, we were still practical now that I think about it, because there's that scene we'll get to of Abe having to move his car from behind Moish. And that took place... You're saying nearby where you are right now? Yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah,
0: I love those days when I could look at the call sheet and go, "I can walk to work today." That's very rare.
1: W- was that a thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was really nice.
1: Well, let's start with your introduction to this world, this mesal universe.
0: Yeah, I um, I had a chemistry read with Devin Bostick and Stephen Mayer who uh were my fellow beatniks yep. with um our director Dan Adius Ateus and um, Daniel Palladino and I remember I came in and they said do you only play characters with your own name? That, nice uh, yeah. Um and didn't hurt. Uh, yeah I didn't I <laughs> up. Um but in, in the script the the scene my first scene was that um I grab Devin Bostick and I kiss him. And it was my first kissing scene post, Me Too. Ah. And I, I remember all the stories coming out of Me Too, were that, you know, people felt violated during kissing scenes and things like that. So I was very uncomfortable and I really didn't want to make him feel like, cause I was supposed to be grabbing him sort oh, of right. aggressively in the scene um, the and heartbeat. like, yeah. And I, I remember being I just was like very delicately like touching his lapel like trying to be very tentative I didn't want to make him uncomfortable <laughs> and Dan went this is only funny if you really throw yourself at him Yep. and um I was so glad that Devin Bostick heard that because then I thought okay well he'll know that I'm not just doing this that it was the director's idea
1: um, yeah always needs to be the director's idea let him get me to yeah <laughs> yeah I love that that was um a genuine concern. Yeah, um, it is a different time. So uh, your chemistry read went clearly well. And um, when did you find out or how did you find out after the chemistry read that you would, in fact, be joining?
0: Yeah, it was a phone call. And it was like, next next day, you're at a fitting. Yeah, it was, the, I think, the shortest turnaround I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, next day, you're in a fitting. And um, I, I want to say it was on set like two days later.
1: Wow. Yeah, Yeah, I have this fantasy. I'm just realizing this is the first time I'm sharing. It took 30 episodes recording for me to realize this. I keep saying the Marvelous Universe um, or the Maisel Universe. And I'm wondering if someone who got the job is on the cell phone with their agent and the reception breaks up a little and all they hear is Marvel Universe. (laughs) (laughs) And they think it's a much different and (laughs) <laughs> potentially greater gig i just made that up in my head yay <laughs> oh the complications we can devise uh, I
0: yeah when i showed up for my fitting you know i my initials are mm and i remember uh-huh. seeing a sign that said marvelous mm and i, I th- said oh that's so sweet they're trying to make me feel comfortable
1: see <laughs> i'm not the only it. one
0: yeah
1: <laughs> they're having these delusions yeah yeah um, and so you met with Donna and her crew and her um, wardrobe yeah. fitting area, which is just extraordinary.
0: So extraordinary.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah I'm um, used to
0: showing up to fittings and being put in like something I would never want to wear again ever. But this is the first time I've been on a set where I went, I would take anything, even the undergarments, just anything.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Was it a series of black turtlenecks?
0: Yes. <laughs> a lot of black turtlenecks and pencil skirts. Um, yeah. Very uh-huh. serious. Yeah, and I remember the 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 first thing, the first direction I got was, um, in in the scene we were filming, the three of us were kind of laughing at something Abe had said, and I was laughing along with them. And uh, Dan, the director, came in and went, "Your face is best when you're not smiling. Don't smile." And that I was like, "That's the character now. She does not smile," and I haven't smiled since.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a completely different character. Uh, I hadn't even thought about. A version of her when smiling. It didn't even cross my yeah. mind because you oh. mastered the the deadpan, as it were, for the character. And what? And are you happy for that direction? Because I would say yeah. it served the character.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It helped. It helped a lot to know that about her. Um, yeah, she, and she I would take herself very seriously.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and watching your performance, it ends up being something that makes this performance instantly memorable, for me anyways, was okay. She's there's, <laughs> She represents, and to this day, you know, we haven't, this was what, 1960? We haven't really evolved in 60 plus years in terms of the sort of um, youthful, um, protesting, rebellious uh, angst, that the poster person for it would have this madeline's expression
0: yeah yeah i was kind of basing her a little bit i was like there, there was a little bit of aoc for mm-hmm, me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then um a lot of listening to the mamas and the papas i was like that's nice. it was a combo of the two
1: yeah and careful because that sound can make you smile
0: yeah <laughs> we don't true. want that very true
1: uh, well, you're just a delightful addition to to the series, and um, and what fun could, you must! So you did. You guys were in several episodes this season, and and did you end up being directed by Dan, Dan, and Amy, all three? Yeah, I was yeah. lucky
0: enough. I got Dan Palladino and um, Amy Sherman. Um, yeah, my with uh, Dan Palladino, I that was. Um, we go to that was the episode with the we go to Cuba camp outside his door. Um, yeah. repetition. I remember reading that and going, Oh, there, this could you could try make this funny in so many different ways. And I had an idea of what it would be. And after the rehearsal, he turned to me, uh, Dan Paladino, and he went, uh, Madeline, I think it's funny if you just say it the same exact same way all three times. Uh, and I went, Oh, of course, like, and I love the specificity of like, this is what makes it funny. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing a pattern. People love to tell you what to do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I am willing to accept.
1: But the other pattern, by the way, and I'm not only guilty of this, but crave it. Please give me some specific idea of what's inside your head, especially in the case of Dan Palladino as one of the you know main writers and showrunners. Yeah. Dear God, tell me what you're thinking, because my interpretation is going to be very specific to my my own ideas i would much rather do what you want
0: yeah Yeah. i've always been really interested in what makes a joke funny um and and i know they're they're masters at writing comedy so i I trust their judgment more than (laughs) more than my own
1: yeah yeah which from from my point of view as someone who's been writing my own stand-up for 40 years um you know it it it's it's I just remember over the years having situations where, you know, you, I just know I'm the funniest person in the room and I'm having to listen to basically baboons tell me what they want. And it's just flies in the face of what my instincts honed in the battlefield decade after decade, no yeah. false. And, um, in this case, you're right. There's a freedom that comes with, uh, this level of comedy genius.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's always been my favorite thing about the show too, is I feel like, um, the, the comedic stance is such a, a valiant position to have in society. that like we need, we need them so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah without yeah. yeah. Without them, we would, we, we would just be crying. So we need somebody <laughs> who can take their pain and, and share it with an audience and, and make it into something that, um, it makes it easier for us to deal with our own pain
1: yeah and especially joining abe on his mission to return to his subversive roots um you know every time we the, the, the series follows that storyline it is the overtly serious nature of everyone's intent that becomes instantly hilarious
0: yeah
1: and um it's one of the things I love about the show is don't ever play the joke. Ever. Yeah, play it all as dramatic scenes.
0: Yeah. I remember watching an amazement at um at Rachel Brosnahan. We were we'd been filming all day and um and she would spin around in a circle in between takes to keep her energy up. And I loved seeing that, like, of course, that's what what is required of this level of uh, of of speech where <laughs> you're keeping yeah. yeah keeping the comedy going
1: yeah um, that 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 is one of several things she will do and it is um it makes sense every time I agree there's got to be something otherwise she's superhuman and that doesn't feel right
0: yeah it was so cool I even love that she asked uh Tony Shaloub like is it funnier if I do the look the look and then say the line or say the line and then do the and i love when you can see people break down making something funny to to the intonation the delivery the timing that it gets yeah. like a dance
1: yeah yeah um, yeah. excellent superb cool. uh well thank you for sharing that and uh if you would still like to continue let's jump into uh season three episode four yeah uh titled hands exclamation point written and directed by dan Palladino uh had you watched this episode prior to my demanding requesting you watch it
0: I had not I I've always done once I do something it's none of my business what it looks like oh really yeah
1: yeah a lot of actors feel that way it's understandable I go the other way everything I've ever done plays on a continuous loop on seven different screens throughout <laughs> my home and I just can't get enough <laughs> Yeah, but I do understand what you're saying. Um, so, how did you feel watching? What did you? Were you just able to enjoy the parts of the episode that you weren't in, or, or did the, you allow the whole thing to wash over you?
0: Um, no, you know what I when I got to that that scene with with the three of us, and um, I yeah. I saw the humor in a way that I didn't on the day. I don't think I realized how funny Tony Shalhoub was being. Thankfully, I guess in the moment when you're working with somebody, you don't want to find them hilarious. Um, But watching it, I went, Oh, it was really funny. I think I was so Madeline with with the, the other Madeline, the character Madeline that I was taking it very seriously and I didn't find it funny at all. Uh, (laughs) But then, (laughs) but then watching, I went, Oh, it was funny.
1: Yeah. And the note about when you say we go to Cuba each time, it's perfect. It, it not just perfect, but stands out instantly. And once again, along with the deadpan that you had mastered previous, it becomes instantly memorable. I don't know if you have any objectivity or that you can understand even what I'm saying, but uh, trust me, <laughs> it, it's it's so great. All right, well, let's let's go to the begin uh, of this episode. Uh, we start on the Vegas casino showroom. Uh, Midge is on stage, has wonderfully found her groove. We we saw her bomb in front of Shy Baldwin prior in Vegas, so it's nice to see her find her groove. And of course, she finds it mocking her own people, uh, the Jews. And she kills, and Susie watches with pride. Um, have you seen uh, anyone perform in in Vegas or a glitzy showroom like that?
0: I haven't, No. Uh,
1: it's something to behold it is a different world um and uh as i broke down the previous episode or the one where she does is bombing i did relay to the listeners just how uh normal it is to be the opening act and have that sort of response when you're especially your first time first several times because no one's there to see you and you're just not prepared for what that really means in a showroom where they're seating people during your performance yeah and if there's food being served this no. is when they're going to eat it yeah uh, so we just see her on the stage and she's just she owns the room and it's pretty fantastic
0: yeah she, she she shares her actual actual life which I always thought was the strength of her her stand-up
1: yeah it is um it is remarkable um and unique to the show, uh, and, and the history of stand-up comedy, that a performer in 1960, female or male, existed, where they, they just went on stage what seems to be stream of consciousness. But in fact, in this performance, it's it is starting to feel honed a little bit, like more like routines than stream of conscious, which I found more uh, apropos certainly Uh, trust me uh, having represented the fact that you've not seen one of these shows uh they they had uh midge be uh true to the setting and true to how to win over this room um yeah you can't really go on stage in this setting as she does earlier and just uh, think you can talk about so i'm jewish you know without having planned uh, bits oh. as it were yeah um and then we are off to the vegas casino floor where susie is at the craps table trying to learn new ways to lose money and the episode title hands comes from the big cowboy hat at the far end yelling at Susie to get her hands up off the table while he rolls the dice. Have you played craps?
0: I have not.
1: Uh-uh. Have you? Oh sure. Um, have you been in a casino? Yes. Okay. Um, and you heard? Maybe did you take notice of the sounds perhaps coming from a craps table? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's pretty intense because yeah. total strangers have gathered around a table to to feel quite similarly about whoever's rolling the dice or throwing the bones. Um, and their their money depends on this person having a good run. And in fact, it's all going very well until a uh, Marian comes to collect Susie for some fun and may have brought her and the entire table some bad luck. That's yes. That's also a thing. And gambling, have you ever been good or bad luck for anyone gambling?
0: Um, I've been told, uh, told good luck once. Yeah, oh. uh, yeah. People get very superstitious, right, about
1: it's, gambling. It's almost innate. I don't, I don't know that it's ever explained to each person who has this feeling, or rather, it all just comes up from the DNA that if the luck changes in any way to the negative, we're going to look around real quick for who's responsible for that, as opposed to the universe? Yeah. You know? <laughs> or no one? Nothing. It's pure ch- a game of chance um and luck.
0: Yeah.
1: Um well, Miriam is successful at whisking Susie away to a, a brand new setting for the show, an outdoor uh private if not secret drag race. Um,
0: I I'm love not, that scene.
1: Yeah, isn't it just oh,
0: so good?
1: I'm I'm not even going to ask if you've ever been to one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stop. I'm gotta in stop.
0: my dreams.
1: i have got to stop at that line of question, especially here because they really have created a, a throwback to something we've only seen in movies. I think, like television. yeah, Rebel
0: Without a Cause,
1: right, which is referenced, and and um, yeah, to see. Midge and Susie thrown into this otherworldly setting again. It's just one adventure after another as they, you know, travel the road of both of their careers together. But very cool and very exciting. It's late after the show and everyone is just blowing off steam, but it also seems very dangerous. And once again, no place for a Jew, I wrote. Yeah. Susan can't help herself and actually bets on one of the races and wins a five spot. Uh, And then some more groundwork is laid between Midge and Shy having a conversation over beers pulled out of someone's trunk that's been turned into an ice chest. That was a nice touch. Uh, About their love lives. Yeah. Um. Setting up the eventual truth moment to come in this season. Um, there's a song playing in the background. Did you happen to notice it or have any connection to it or remember the sound?
0: What is the song?
1: It's called Hot Rod Lincoln. Yes. And it was very, very popular at in its day. Sung by Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. Um Typical '60s, perfectly nonsense name of a band in a desperate attempt to be memorable. Yeah. But but that song was very very popular for about nine minutes. But certainly a part of the culture of the time. And once again, they found it. You know, they've 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 won awards for their music supervision, including at least one Emmy. Um,
0: yeah, the music on the show is always on on point. Yeah, it it sets the tone in the best way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It it just pulls you in. The sound yeah. design. Yeah,
0: I think that there's a scene in that episode where Susie's walking through the restaurant as she's meeting the producers. Yeah, and it, is it it's tequila that's playing? That's right. And it, yeah, it's just fantastic.
1: Yeah, the champs. Yeah. Strangest, another ridiculous name of a band. Which probably is a good bar bet. I, I think everyone knows the song and no one knows who sang it, yeah. which can't be, that's got to be one of the rubs for a one hit one. <laughs> uh, we're off to the Maisel home. Oh, the torture of Rose and Abe sound asleep. Moish wakes them shouting. Get up, it's 5.15 a.m. Moish needs Abe to move his car because it's blocking Moish's in the driveway. You know, they when we this season started and they got to this storyline of Abe and Rose having to move in with Moish and Shirley, the four actors involved in those characters were as happy as they've ever been. <laughs> we just knew that this conflict was gonna drive several episodes and it was juicy. And sure enough, we got a pretty good payday here. Yeah. Um yeah
0: I think I think my favorite line in that episode is I need I need your sheets I'm still using them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Laundry day.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh that's when Shirley yells at them coming up. Um after the car moving though we're we're back in the Maisel home in the kitchen Rose Shirley and Zelda and the TV is blaring the Today Show while the radio was shouting the news. The noise is completely unnerving and only Shirley is having fun and keeps shouting Fred J Muggs is is on the Today Show. Were you familiar with this famous chimp? No. Yeah. Um, The backstory Instead of doing too deep of a dive, I will just encourage everyone to take a moment to do a quick Wikipedia search on Fred J. Muggs because it's sort of astounding the career this chimp had and allegedly still alive at the age of 70, born in 52. Um, not completely uncommon for a chimp to live to 70. The average age is 50. I did too deep of a dive on
0: he went down (laughs)
1: but this the the today show was brand new and it was struggling and some producer in what for the anchor people must have felt like the most degrading move ever let's put a chimp on the news desk right yeah and someone quit over it one of the producers or anchors quit over this and the chimp fred j muggs goes on to not only make the Today Show wildly more famous, which I love that Amy and Dad tapped into. That of course, Shirley would be more enamored with this monkey on the Today Show than anything else happening on the Today Show. Right. It was kind of perfect for what was happening at the time. Um, And then eventually, Abe and Rose are driven into their bedroom by the cacophony. And there they are having escaped the insanity and momentarily enjoying just being quiet. It's so sad and hilarious. And a knock at the door and it's Zelda, their former housekeeper who now works for the Maisels.
0: Yeah, that great (laughs) shot of the three of them.
1: Uh, Even the way that Zelda, Matilda the actress sits down in a chair joining them and the sigh of relief it's just so telling um yeah so i did write down a little bit let's see about fred j mud's regular today show insanely famous because of it i was born in the african colony of french cameroon as his story goes he was brought to the states before his first birthday was purchased by two former NBC employees who got him appearances on the network for several programs, not just the Today Show. But his fame from the Today Show allowed him to tour the world. Yeah. Oh. Uh, as quite an attraction. I know, crazy. Oh, the power of television. Um, back to Vegas, we go, Midge and Susie's hotel room. Midge is trying to get Susie to sit still long enough to enjoy her facial. Um, what was your take on this?
0: i was I was taken just with the shot, the two of them each on those twin beds
1: mm-hmm.
0: like um, like girls at camp, right. Yeah, pretty uh, terrific, yeah.
1: There's been a few moments of Midge and her beauty regiments throughout the course of the series. And the fact that she's thrusting this one onto Susie is just right. sort of ground zero for guaranteed yucks. Yeah. Uh, and they, they pull it off pretty amazingly. There's an envelope slipped under the door. It's one they've been waiting for. And sure enough, it's Midge's first paycheck. Do you remember that your first paycheck from professional show business?
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Or any early, yeah. any early outstanding? Yes. Of, yeah.
0: I do. I I remember winning the lottery on set when I was a teenager. On Friday nights, the crew would do a lottery, and somebody put my name in twenty in times. Yeah.
1: In the bucket yeah. for Friday. Friday, the end of work. Yes. Yeah. Yes and someone put a $5 with your name on it into the bucket?
0: Yeah, they put my name in like 20 times cuz they wanted they knew I wanted to buy uh my first guitar and so they wow. all went yeah.
1: That's a pretty loving crew. I know. <laughs> what? what was this on?
0: Uh on Californication. Uh okay. Yeah, so I it, it, that was a down payment for my first Martin guitar. My only oh. Martin guitar. There haven't been subsequent guitars.
1: Your first important guitar.
0: Yeah, my first important guitar.
1: Um, Well, how exciting. And you still have it today.
0: You know, my brothers are musicians and they confiscated it, so I don't know where it is now.
1: Oh, that's awfully sweet. So not just the crew has been generous to you over the years. (laughs) Also, your thieving brothers. (laughs) Well, it was nice of the crew to put your name so many times in the bucket so your brothers could have a guitar. Um... (laughs) I do love that Midge and Susie are at a loss as to what to do with the paycheck.
0: Yes. Yeah, I love I love Susie's line, "Oh, now I have to start paying taxes."
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, she she looked at it and could tell the taxes had had been withheld.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: That's a big moment for actors. It is. When someone says you need to have a loan out, you need to incorporate so that they don't take your taxes up front. And then so many performers and maybe athletes and maybe other walks of life get into a great deal of trouble because they don't save their tax money when the entity paying them is no longer withholding. Um, I was very fortunate at the very beginning of getting any sort of acting checks. To have a an accountant i don't can't even call a business manager who said uh you need to put aside 30 to 40 percent of every single check you get into a separate savings account do not touch it that is for the government and if you do this at the end of the year when you have to pay taxes on your income instead of dreading this moment this phone call from us when we tell you how much is owed it'll be Christmas morning for you because you would have put away a little more than what the government wants and you're going to get an instant refund. Yeah, um, Can't emphasize this enough for anyone listening out there who is getting checks where taxes have not been withheld. This was and now a 40-year ritual and and sure enough, every year at the end of the year it is in fact better than Christmas.
0: I'm going to start doing
1: this. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's truly, I mean, I've talked to other people and and I would say 80% conservatively did not get this wonderful advice. It's pretty straightforward. And some people don't need the advice. They're somewhat responsible and realizing when that money sits in their accounts, how much they're going to have to pay out at the end. But if you separate it, every single check, just do an instant transfer into a separate savings account. Right. And even just 30%, man, oh man. And more on that later. <laughs> I will <laughs> devote a whole episode to Jew accountant. <laughs> and weirdly, my accountant still with me probably 38 years now. That's impressive. Not, not a Jew. <laughs> so just crack that stereotype into pieces. Um a little extra here, the foreshadowing of Susie holding onto the money. Yeah. Another great foreshadowing. Um, pretty subtle. Only foreshadowing in hindsight, I think. And then we're off to Angie Calabrese's office. Uh, wonderfully portrayed by Lenny Veneto. I said I would look up his name because I feel I'm mispronouncing it. And I do know Lenny. He's played at poker at my house. You would think I would wow. know his damn name well i'm kind of pronouncing it correctly v-e-n-i-t-o veneto is how i'm pronouncing it i don't think it's veneto you know what let's have lenny on the show can we get lenny in here not right now okay i'll get a straight answer <laughs> on and correct myself in the wraparound um anywho lenny's he's been around I think the first time i saw him was on flight of the concords were you a fan by some chance, on that show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Lenny always does great work, and he was such a perfect casting. Once again, the casting—you should take this into consideration. One of the Paladino's genius areas of expertise, along with writing and directing, and music supervising, and choosing most brilliant artistically uh, genius department heads, is casting. Um, Cindy Toland our casting director has done a phenomenal job all these years of course but um, yeah there's a genius coming on uh, about casting with with these two and so Lenny being another example and I probably I'll find this out as well I had Cindy on I should have asked her whose idea Lenny was because he is so perfect and his performances is um, not too over the top just great um, but we do see we live through Susie vicariously again as she goes to Angie Calabresi's office to complain that the check is a little, little slight. <laughs> and what happens?
0: Oh, that's my that has to be the best. That you're in a waiting room to go into a room and you see how the person ahead of you is being treated.
1: <laughs> in this case, a proper beating. They're receiving a proper beating. Yeah. Yeah, in, in a very Vegas mobbed-up way.
0: <laughs> the chair swiveling around. Oh, oh man!
1: Also, we in, in another Vegas mobbed-up way. There, Angie's complaining. We we made your your client, you know, somebody, and then you you move them over to the Stardust. You know, the again the writing and the the complaint that Angie have and the reason for the beating is so uh, typical. Yeah. Uh, Susie has seen enough. So that when Angie invites her in, she, Alex really nails the comedy of this, man oh man.
0: that's One of my favorite parts of the episode.
1: Yeah, the backpedaling, the apologizing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to take up his time, no problem with the check. No, no problem. All of it, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> how good is, is Alex? I mean, it's
0: just her face. Yeah.
1: yeah. She puts it on a comedy clinic pretty much every time at the plate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And
0: those, the boxers, I always love anything about her boxers in the episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Later when Joel brings them out of the back room, who's are these? <laughs> They're just so ridiculous looking. Uh Speaking of Joel, we're off to the button club where Joel and Archie are hard at work getting the club in shape. The power goes out. We get a chance to see that Joel's relationship with the powers that be in the downstairs gambling parlor on a much friendlier term. Um, have you experienced any speakeasies of any kind in the New York area? They're kind of popular, have been.
0: Yes. Actually, it was an actor I worked with who is in the Marvel franchise. Aha. Who introduced me just to speakeasies. I didn't find them on my own.
1: And did you have to go through?
0: Yes. And they serve booze in a teacup and it's all very.
1: Did you go through a moving library wall or something fun?
0: Yes. There's always. Yeah. But usually, usually the books are, are fake. Yep. They're just, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Tim Robbins. And. Susan Sarandon. Owned one of those. That was the in first one in New York. That was the first, the first one I went to. Yeah. And um, it was all just so crazy and and perfect, you know. Yeah. But like, of course they do. You know. <laughs> kind of thing. Um. Yeah, how about uh, the incredible character of May? Were you familiar with Stephanie's work? I wasn't. Yeah. And have you seen the, um, what is it, Everything All at Once or something like that? Yes. How great is she in this movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Man, oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I think we're going to see her when the awards come around for 2022 Uh, she shows up with a gif it's a jukebox filled with Chinese records already loaded in and when one of them plays Archie even says I kind of like it and the truth is yeah yeah you do dum-dum because it's fucking cool (laughs) you know it took Quentin Tarantino to introduce a lot of people to what is it the, the 88s in um kill bill oh yes probably japanese not chinese but um yeah amazing uh it is a great sound at any rate when rock and roll is played and performed with genius level talent in it from another country anytime any country really um what's your experience there in the uh have you seen your brothers who stole your guitar perform in other countries or
0: I have not.
1: Uh-huh. Have they?
0: They've only performed in New York. Ah. And and, and, they're, and they're really they're classical musicians. Oh, I no. see. Much less exciting.
1: No, <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> exciting in a completely depending on who you point. ask. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure someone with a non-plussed face would would tell you otherwise. <laughs> That's true. How how unbelievably exciting they are. <laughs> uh back to the Maisel home, it's laundry day as you mentioned. Shirley is screaming, it wakes the Weissmans up from their momentary reprieve that only slumber can bring them now. Um and then the the next part in the kitchen where Moish lectures Avon Rose on the finer advantages of rising at 4.30 a.m. I will say that was a slow push in oneer, And so that was okay. a, lot, a lot for me to say and not screw it up. And and also props going on with the egg and the Shirley and the so many things happening for just me as a performer in that scene. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it more than I did doing it.
0: It was so fast.
1: It's so, and and yeah, you know their pace. It's it's beyond human or maybe even humane (laughs) what we're put through. But the result, oh, are they so right? Yeah, It's so much fun to watch, but I, I still cringe. Not from having to watch myself as I've already established, this is a joy for me. Cringing rather in memory of doing <laughs> of doing it it was it was torture yeah because it takes many takes to to get something like that correct and uh, i don't know you'll have to we'll have to ask other people how i did on the day my memory is a nightmare so i can't, i can't be the one to
0: i'm curious how many takes it was yeah to get it that smooth
1: <laughs> i'm curious but also don't want to know cuz <laughs> If I were to take a guess, it would probably be even higher than when it ended up being. Because it isn't crazy like 30, but it could have been 20. Uh yeah. But uh so much more fun to watch than do. Um and then once again, we're seeing Rose and Abe are seen alone in the quiet of their bedroom after this uh, and then we're off to Joel's office and Midge's hotel room has a phone call it starts with Ethan reciting his ABCs she just wants him to put daddy on um, yeah her convincing him to go to Vegas is also a great turn just uh, story wise you know
0: um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Don't... I think all all through the first and second season, I think I was waiting for them to get back together, mm-hmm. and then and then in the third season, I I I was on the Lenny Bruce ship.
1: Uh huh.
0: Even though you know it's never going to end well or happen really.
1: Um, sure. Yeah. And how did you, how did you weigh in season two with the Doctor Benjamin versus Joel of it all? Joel. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. She's for sure. Shazam was too too handsome for (laughs) you.
0: I don't know what it was.
1: He's so he's so great. I I, we did talk with Zach Levi on the podcast, and he's just exceptional in this part, and does build that case wonderfully for you know because season one's all about Joel's our villain, you know. Yeah, even though. If he hadn't been, we've got no show. Very right? Cheap. Anyways. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Susie's apartment. Susie's unpacking and noticing how different and better her apartment is. And takes issue with Jackie cleaning up her dump. The chemistry of these two is so great. Brian, Brian Tarantino is just so Damn good. Yep. That two of them together. Rhythm. Again, you know, they, they just write these rhythms for, for pairings, right? For just, yeah. Everyone's doing a great dance. Uh, um,
0: and it has to be the most charming studio apartment I've ever seen in New York. They're, yeah, not,
1: they're, re- not, they're, not,
0: they're not that charming.
1: <laughs> no, they're not. They really nailed. And then it wasn't, I think the first time we see it, it's, it's a little better representative of the horrific nature of a four by four
0: yeah.
1: Manhattan studio.
0: I love the ironing board that, that comes out of the wall.
1: All that, yeah. And also how the character Jackie has really redefined the space. There's flowers, yeah. there's- Lilacs,
0: <laughs> <Bilox, laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, crazy. Um. Off to the stage deli we go. Susie has conned her way into a sit with two successful Broadway producers who thought they were meeting with Katherine Hepburn. It's pretty great. Uh, she pitches them Miss Julie, starring her client, Sophie Lennon. <laughs> and all they can do is howl at this ridiculous notion until... Susie points out that Sophie's near unparalleled drawing power for audiences around the country would suggest this theater runs going to do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's,
0: that's the manager we all want.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't know if I've told, shared this story on the podcast. Um, I guess I'll find out in post, but, um, the best example of this, I think, is this, was this manager, Sandy Gallon. Long-time, very famous show business, Los Angeles-based manager. A lot of great, great, hugely successful talent that he represented. Anyways, when Rob Reiner was doing A Princess Bride, um, or just Princess Bride, I don't think there is an uh. He was on a 18-month search for the actress that would ultimately portray the princess Brett and uh was coming up snake eyes on that role uh for those of you that have played craps and uh it was driving him insane every famous actress of the day was coming in you know desperate to play the part the movie had several other incarnations over 10 years no one could figure out how to tell that novel as a movie and rob finally wrestled it and trying to find his Princess Bride before casting Carrie Alouez, of course. Let's play, in this case, Prince Charming. Um, and this manager, Sandy Gallen, calls up after Rob had seen a thousand actresses audition. Sandy calls Rob and says, Rob, your torturous search is over. I've got the perfect actress. And Rob Again, fit to be tied. He's at the end of his rope. Sandy, don't fuck with me. I just, if you've got someone, let's just get to it, please. Nope, Rob, I'm telling you, call off the, the search. You're done. I've got her. Okay, Sandy, thank you. Uh, Rob just can't take the hustle and Sandy can't deliver the answer without the hustle. But it's quite the buildup and it finally ends with, Rob saying, all right, who, who is it? Who is, who's perfect? Who's perfect? (laughs) Are you sitting down? Yes, I'm sitting down, Sandy. Who is it? (laughs) And he says the name of one of his clients, Whoopi Goldberg. And Rob later telling the story says, and that's the moment I realized I needed Sandy Gallon as my manager. (laughs) Because he said it with all sincerity. He was not pulling a prank. He was not trying to be humorous. He was Wait. not even barking up the wrong tree in his mind. He really genuinely believed he had solved Rob's search issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. So though, you're right. Susie in this moment, in this scene, Amy and Dan once again have found that little moment where you're right. I love your observation you realize, I wish I had a manager like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should point out that Peter Groz or Groz and Grant Shod, showed, Grant showed, are terrific as the Broadway producers. Grant Shod, of course, sidebar from the television sitcom, M- Monster of Success, Murphy Brown. A part that I auditioned for and would have killed for, Grant showed was great. As Miles was the name of the character. Trivia for you there. But both these actors are just tremendous. Um, and and agree if you can get if 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 Susie can get the male lead anchor of the casting pieces. <laughs> The
0: dead weight of the production, <laughs> as she
1: says. <laughs> as she says when she meets with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, oh, so Joel arrives in Vegas, walks on the casino floor, suitcase in hand, greeted instantly by this character, Raymond, who says, Angie heard Midge has a guest arriving. That moment. Um. Have you... Have you arrived anywhere with on somebody's uh or your own ticket that it is a it is a magical moment when things line up. Yeah. And you're given treatment that even you know you don't really yes. deserve. Yeah. So you've had some version of that.
0: I think I have. Yes. Yeah, where you go, oh, they set things up to be nicer for me. This is unusual. <laughs> yeah
1: imposter syndrome sets in (laughs) right here's your key let us know if you need anything and as it crosses out we do have a nice little extra moment here where we see midge's new headshot on a little display next to shy advertising the show and we've gotten away from the panties problem but it is of a facial expression of hers that no one should and it's hilarious and again the camera just moves past it you really have to be looking for it to catch this little sight gag love 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 it and now we get to your scene in michael kessler's office um by the time you do this scene in this episode you guys have had your scenes your previous episodes your your chemistry intact Um, other than the necessity of getting you to say we go to Cuba the same way every time, you're dialed in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I was relaxed enough. I was reading the newspaper in between takes and I remember (laughs) Tony Shalom going, what's happening? And I said, Oh, they're, they're making AI technology that's going to be able to read our minds in the future. And it's going to be used in, Um, police interrogations and he went I guess it's good there's nothing in my mind
1: (laughs) (laughs) see yeah that's fantastic yeah that's Tony on the set
0: yeah
1: (laughs) perfect example of what you can get from a chalut yeah yeah he's ridiculously hilarious on the show and equally so as himself we have a text thread among the, the cast and You know, people are weighing in on various things. And I always sense he's got a, he's working on a reply. Because when (laughs) they arrive in the text, thread, they're just hilarious. As if a team of writers (laughs) had spent a few days trying to figure out how is Tony going to reply to this?
0: Doesn't do the quick response. No. Yeah.
1: He takes his time until he's nailed it so that no one can follow, which is usually the case. Madeline is really pushing they go to Cuba, as mentioned. Abe just wants a plan for the lead story of the paper's first issue. That's what the struggle is about. And then Kessler reappears in his own office. We're not really, unless you're really paying attention, we we don't know where we are when the scene starts as the audience. Once again, he's on his long cord telephone that he has to do some physical shtick to unravel himself.
0: I love. He did that in the rehearsal, and I thought, "Oh, I wonder if he's going to keep." And he kept it up for every every take.
1: Yeah, we spoke to Max. Um, he must have been a fun addition that day when you were working. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, we had we all the three beatniks. We would always meet for coffee before we filmed, just because we need to get our energy up for the fast-paced dialogue. And then right. at the end of the day, we would go for a drink because we needed to decompress after speaking so quickly.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. That was our routine. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, co- coffee to get get the dialogue going and then a drink to, to decompress from, mm-hmm. however it
1: went. So none of you are comfortable being yourselves or present?
0: <laughs> no.
1: Before, during, or after. Well, that's good. Uh, you kids out there listening, this is... Uh, <laughs> This is how it really works. Uh-huh. Here I am, by the way, waiting for you to share any and all insights. And the moment you do, I pounce. <laughs> I've got to figure out this hosting thing. Um, But thank you for sharing that. In fact, anything from these shoots, by the way, because I do love the idea of, um, you know, sharing a little, even that that you did about the sitting around on the set, you know, it's the the working we do for free is the waiting they pay us for. has been said over and over. Yes, I and know that's that's, right? that's
0: that's the fun stuff. Yeah. The the personal.
1: And so, um, if you're on on the stage, which I'm assuming you were for Kessler's office, no.
0: No, we were out. We were actually filming in Manhattan, which was which was really fun to be walking through New York City in oh, 1960s wow. dress.
1: To the set and your yeah. trailer, yeah. Yeah um yeah so then they would probably have you reading a paper on your downtime on the set let's not let them get back to their trailers because that takes yeah. too long with the to and yeah. fro so you you end up being stuck on set a lot more than maybe when you're on the sound stage but they do like to keep us in like a green room setting on the sound stage
0: yes yeah i remember being in the green room and then uh and the table read was there And I remember, I remember Jane Lynch was in the episode and the two of us were there early sitting, eating our lunch, looking at our scripts. And somebody came up to Jane and went, oh, you're here. I've been looking for you. And she went, yes, uh, Madeline has had to sit and watch me eat my chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And then just stayed with me.
1: (laughs) How about that?
0: Yeah. It was
1: memorable. She's the eighth wonder of the world, that Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. And again, just as funny off camera.
0: Yeah, she seemed completely already in character.
1: Yeah, that did sound a bit more like Sophie. Um, Yeah, so so, uh, Kessler explains that the DA is dropping the charges and Abe is apoplectic as the rest of you are. This is unacceptable. Um, yeah, I
0: love Kessler's line about it's un it's unusual to fight charges <laughs> that are being dropped <laughs> against your client.
1: Yeah, he really tries to talk Abe out of this protest. Yeah, but ultimately says, "All right, I'll, I'll call the DA's office." <laughs> it's a ridiculous concept, but perfect. <laughs> Careful for what you wish, subversives. Um, and then back to the Vegas Casino. Midge is performing. Joel's loving it. She's killing again. And then back to the Broadway dressing room, or not back to, but to. A re- this is a, a one-off. And so great. Um, I mentioned before when I talked to Carrie Alves on the podcast that the casting of this actor whose real name is Carrington Vilmont. Who plays Gavin's dresser, Breen, is just flawless. Yes. Right? And how good is Carrie as this? Oh, so good. The, yeah. British.
0: I love the the stage actor, you know, that in in that shot, seeing his face in the little mirror and then on the in the larger mirror as well. And the idea that that tragedy and comedy are one.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's such a great scene.
1: Yeah, his performance playing that Peter O'Toole-inspired <laughs> madness and going out of his way to mention a few times you've heard I'm expensive. <laughs> yeah, so good. And says yes in the room. Something rarely happens in show Very true. And then back to Susie's apartment. She wants to share this news with Sophie immediately, who's in a bath. <laughs> Which again, the set design of Sophie's bathtub.
0: Yes, the bathtub. Every the bathtub I would like to have.
1: Yeah, that was I'm sure the mandate given to the genius Bill Groom and his team of geniuses. Yeah, we pull back. I think at the end of the scene with the two dogs sitting there and three members of her staff, one of which is scratching her back. And they use the old gag that's been around for maybe a century where she's on a phone call <laughs> and says lower and then the person they're talking to speaks lower voice. Yes. Yeah. Great.
0: So, Great. Golden.
1: Right. right. Um, What if we don't have sexual chemistry? I'm <laughs> given this gift from Susie. I got Gavin, huh? But so as Susie knows it, she just needed to land Gavin and she's got a green light. Yeah. That was made clear. Uh, back to the Vegas showroom, Maj and Joel after the show at a table, Shai Baldwin comes up, says hello, Joe. adorably, Joel adorably is state struck. That exchange is great.
0: Yeah, it's so nice to see that side of his character.
1: Right? And it also just helps instantly establish in the viewer's mind the power of Shy Baldwin, just how successful he is. Um, They do a a really nice job of reinstilling that through characters we already know. Yeah. yeah. Mid shows Joel the finer things about slot machines. And now, as is the ritual, of course, his first time out, he wins. Um, That is the rule at a casino. Somehow, magically, the universe allows you to win the first time. You'll hear more stories of people's first venture into a casino that they won. And I don't know how the casino knows that. (laughs) Because then you're hooked to life. Mitch and Joel end up at a lounge in the casino where a band is playing some beautiful jazz. Joel fills Midge in on the button club, including the gambling parlor downstairs, which he's just learning about. And then they see an actress that Midge recognizes but needs Joel's help at the craps table trying to figure out who it is, and they finally realize it's Kim Novak. And he kind of loses his mind and, and approaches her. We don't know how, but he comes back with her lipstick kiss on a napkin. You remember an early uh finding tracking of a famous person
0: No, but I was thinking that's nicer than taking a photo of somebody. I right. I, I, I is it it is a little bit nicer stealing their napkin with their lipstick bought on it rather than like surreptitiously taking a photo of them.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Good point. Um and then we don't know where midge and joel are going off to this night we just know it in the next scene it's the next morning and oh boy what a night it must have been i would slowly piece together between the two of them when they wake up in bed naked together seemingly um yeah first thing it's obvious they slept together oh but it's a tad more involved and they're just having sex Soon discovered through a couple of photographs and a ring on Midge's finger, they got remarried. He keeps saying I can't feel my tongue. Now, <laughs> did that come across to you as just a effect of a hangover? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah to the, to, the numbness.
1: To, I, yeah. Yeah. It's so so specific of a,
0: yeah.
1: of a next day feeling um but he's freaking out and she's joking as is her want which is only upsetting him more and then he ends up mentioning may back at the button club
0: right and that's the first bringing up of a another partner
1: of his yeah which he's quick to throw out she did it first uh you were engaged and then he, next he's tried to suggest she slept with Shy Baldwin. And that's when he goes into the bathroom and brings out some men's boxer shorts. <laughs> Who's of these? They're oh, susies, you idiot. And he can't really argue that. It's just an instantly drops the case. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also love.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh he leaves, and then shortly after, she gets a phone call from Maven Rose, who are frantically complaining about Moish and Shirley. Ever have to live with family members that maybe you yes. realize was ill advised?
0: <laughs> it's always, it keeps things interesting.
1: Yeah. This one is particularly interesting for them as the phone call ends with a saying Shirley's coming, she might be naked. <laughs> and, and Rose saying she's walk she walks around the house naked. We gotta go.
0: <laughs> the last
1: straw. Yeah, I mean it's such <laughs> a such a again, perfect writers creating a visual. That yeah. you don't need to see. We're just going to put it in your brain through these great performers and Marin and Tony.
0: There's that expression I always love the uh, fish and visitors smell after three days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You hear that? Yeah.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, back oh. at the Vegas casino our last couple of beats Susie and Midge are in the wings before her show Midge tells Susie she and Joel got remarried and had sex (laughs) Susie's a little freaked out by both Angie joins them and Susie's sphincter instantly seizes up once again just so funny uh and that alone would have been a great button to the episode, but no, no. Let's show Susie and the gamblers one more time at the craps table. And she's so at home, the evolution, full circle. She's so at home now. She's the one that yells at another gambler at the craps table, hands, <laughs> yes. and we've come full circle.
0: I, I love that you get to hear the beginning of Midge's stand standup. Uh, what do you think of uh, a woman who marries her ex-husband? Because I feel like for me, that's always the theme of the show that she that she takes the pain in her life. And by sharing it with the audience, that's how she feels most at home. That's how she makes it bearable. And so yeah. she takes that yeah, That pain of of what happens with Joel and, and makes
1: comedy out of it. Yeah. You like that? love that. Mm. Well, maybe now you'll watch more episodes. <laughs> I don't know why you hate the show so much
0: show
1: oh (laughs) so you've seen other episodes that you're not in
0: yeah yes okay Okay. yeah just selectively leave out the ones that i'm in
1: it's just it's the ones you're in those are the only ones you can't stand
0: yeah
1: okay well i'm here to tell you that you're wrong and they're (laughs) pretty great pretty damn great uh thank you so much madeline for spending this time with us
0: thank you kevin
1: yeah a pleasure you You were sought out by me to be on the podcast because um not only do i want to represent a female voice as often as possible in the podcast what with this female driven show but um i just loved your character from the moment i know this is sickening to you but the moment you appeared on the show it's just instantly who is this what's happening in her brain why does she have no emotions (laughs) It was perfect though. I, you know, The direction was solid as hell, but it's all about how you execute that direction. Um, I was told very early that I was do- having had no formal training, that I was doing a style of acting called less is more and that there was a second half, second part to that term. Less is more, nothing is best. If you can do nothing in a scene and steal focus, you win. And I'm here to tell you, Madeline, You won. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, come on. How delightful is Madeline Martin? I ask you. How delightful. You hear the happiness in her laugh. You could see her smile, can't you? In your mind's eye. Wow, what a terrific actress. What a terrific talent. And how much fun did I have? Uh, talking about season three, episode four. You may want to tune in for next week, or the next episode, I should say. Um, yeah, we have another astonishing actress who uh, played a very important part, and um, oh, I'm very excited to talk to her and have you hear that. Um, yeah, right, any follow-up questions for Madeline Martin? Uh, right, of course, My at gmail.com. Comments, questions, whatever, however you'd like to be involved, folks. I love to have you involved. Please. Um, yeah, let's get to the email for today. Let's open up the old mailbag, shall we? Today's email comes from Ashley, who wrote Hello, Kevin, all the way from the bluegrass state. Um, First of all, thank you for bringing my family and I so many laughs as Moish Maisel, my father. Absolutely love the character. Question. What was your favorite suit to wear when when playing Moish? And then did the cast ever do anything special together to be able to come across as such a tight-knit family unit? Looking forward to listening to the podcast. Ashley. Terrific questions. Um, My favorite suit to wear. Hmm. You know, they were all spectacular. I mean, come on. Maybe if you got yourself a copy of Donna's book, you could really see all the uh, wardrobe that was built for the show. So beautifully archived in that book of hers. Um, My favorite. I did love the outfits in the Catskills. I'm not going to lie. A little more casual. So that was fun. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Catskills uh, at casual look for Moish. And then did we do anything special together to be able to come across such a tight-knit family unit? Great question. We did have lots of meals together. Um, whenever we had scenes as a group, we would stay close to set in our chairs waiting between setups instead of going back to our rooms. So there's a lot of very focused hang. And then our dressing rooms at Steiner Studios were very um you know in our own section of that uh studio so we would hang in each others uh dressing rooms all the time yeah there was a love fest going on from beginning to today has not wavered uh, strong as ever uh where we were chatting in our a uh, favored um wonderful shared uh, you know text thread uh, just yesterday and um yeah Uh, I I wish I had some dirt for you, but we love each other. All right. That's our mail for today. And thank you, Ashley, for writing in. Folks, now it's your turn. If you haven't written in, write to my business, at at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts, your questions, your comments. Please share. Be involved. And thank you. Um, Yeah. Watch, uh, in preparation for next episode, season three, episode five. And, um... Yeah, we'll get into that. Until then, I'll see you in my dreams. And please, for goodness sake, be kind to each other, won't you? Yeah. Okay, closing credits time. My Mrs. Mazel Pod was created by me, your host, Kevin Pollock, research writer, producer, Jamie Fox, and our engineer, recording, post production producer genius is Ken Plume. My Mrs. Mazel Pod is brought to you by the fine folks at Q Code. Q Code sounds like something, doesn't it? Oh, lastly, you should know. I'm told by legal to make this crystal clear that my Mrs. Maisel pod was not sanctioned in any way, shape, or form by Amazon Prime, nor the show's creators, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, although I feel the need to mention I did get their blessing. Okay, good. That should save me some legal...